Well, good morning. <clears throat> it's good to be with you today, and, and I hope that you're in a comfy place. I hope that, that you've got the people that are around you and, and you're ready to look into God's Word. I'm really excited about um, the message today. I, th I think it's a, a good message that I think will speak to each and every one of us. Um, but I want to start by just saying, and, and so I, we'll get a little bit of participation here. How many of you that are watching are Clint Eastwood fans. If you're a Clint Eastwood fan, go ahead and maybe hit the like button or, or comment something. Maybe say your favorite Clint Eastwood movie. That would be good. Um, for those of you that are maybe under my age, Clint Eastwood um, is an actor and director. Um, lots of old Western movies. But, but I wanted to start by talking about a Clint Eastwood movie today. Honestly, I haven't watched a lot of his older movies, but he made a movie several years back, and in this movie, I'm not going to tell you what the name is or anything like that, but in this movie, he plays um, an older man that has lived in an area for a long time, and basically, the area around him has changed, and, and different people have moved in, and, and he's just seen things change, and he feels like he's stuck in a place that he doesn't want to be. He doesn't like the people that are around him. He doesn't like what his neighborhood looks like. And in this Clint Eastwood movie, I mean, he plays this character so well. In fact, he plays it so well that I didn't even really enjoy it that much. But, but basically his character, and, and I'm, the reason I'm telling you this is because I, this is the attitude that we're talking about today. His character basically stands at the front door looking out the screen door for a good portion of the movie with his arms crossed and a scowl on his face and he just looks out at the area around him, the place that he's in, and he just has a terrible attitude. I mean, he's scowling, he's, he, he doesn't like the place that he's in. Let me tell you, um, not this week that we just finished, but the week before, I kind of felt like Clint Eastwood in that movie. I want to start with some just pastoral confession today. A couple weeks ago, I was struggling I, I was just at a place where I was tired, and, and I, I kind of didn't like the place that I was in. See, we'd worked really hard to get our house ready to sell, and, and at the same time, we were going through Holy Week, which is a huge week, and there was just all this stuff to do, and, and it, was an, it was a great week, but then the next week, I just found myself tired and out of sorts, and, and I was struggling with frustration. I was feeling the in-between. The series that we're in is talking about the in-between, and that's, that's when we're in a place that maybe we didn't plan to be, but we're in this in-between place where we're struggling. That's where I was a couple weeks ago, and I felt like I was standing at the door with my arms folded and a scowl on my face, just kind of growling, just like Clint Eastwood in the movie, and, and I was feeling the in-between. I mean, it was all having to do with this pandemic. I, I was just frustrated because it seems like half of the things I hear are telling us that we're going to be in this pandemic 20 years from now wearing masks, and half of the things that I was reading were telling me that it's, it's all a big, uh, it's, it's all an overreaction, and, and I was just struggling with all this information coming in while at the same time I was tired, and, and I, I just felt like I was standing at the screen door looking out at everything growling, and it wasn't a good place. 
Have any of you been there? I've talked to lots of different people who have said that they've come to that place. Have any of you been at that place in the last few weeks or at some point in your life where you just felt like you were out of sorts, you were frustrated, you were standing at the door with your hands folded, not liking the place you were in, and your attitude was just off. Man, that was me two weeks ago. And then last Sunday, as I'm, as I'm getting ready to preach the message, we're looking at Jeremiah 29, and the message says, settle in build houses, stay there. And, and I was just kind of like, oh man, <laughs> man, I'm being called to settle into this. So, so that's my confession. But let's continue looking at Jeremiah 29. This is a letter to the exiles. This is a letter from God to the people of Israel who are living in Babylon. They're in exile. And it's, I'm going to start in verse four, and we're just going to go through seven today. It says, this is what the Lord Almighty The God of Israel says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon, build houses and settle down, plant gardens and eat what they produce, marry and have sons and daughters, find wives for your sons and daughters and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters, increase in number there, do not decrease. Also, seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. So, so I found myself in this in-between, in this funk last, a couple weeks ago. And, and, and that's where the Israelites are at this point. They've been cast into captivity. They're living in Babylon, and, and, and they're just kind of in a foreign land under foreign rule. And the Babylonians were not good people. They were not God-fearing, honor, God-honoring people. They were, they were messed up. And the Israelites, who are God's people, who blew it, by the way, find themselves in this time of exile where, where they're in the midst of a place they don't want to be, being ruled by a people they don't want to be ruled by. And I'm going to guess that they were sitting there with their arms folded, looking out the screen door, thinking, oh, I don't want to be here. And God starts the letter with, build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons. Give your daughters in marriage so they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there. Do not decrease. Man, when you're at the place where you're standing at the screen door like this, growling, you know what you don't want to hear? Hey, settle in. It's going to be a while. That's what God says to the Israelites. It's not the news they wanted to hear, but I think it's good news for them to hear, and and we're going to get to this today. Um, But but as we talked about last week, our tendency when we find ourselves in the in-between is to want to sit and wait for that to be over. But God says, don't just wait, grow, increase in the in-between. And this makes sense to me. I can understand this. Okay, so we're out of sorts, we're in a place we don't want to be, but God says, listen, 
If, I, if you're in this place, settle in, build houses, make your home there. Come on, you can do it. Grow, increase, do not decrease. This makes total sense to me. After all, in, in verse 10, God says, you're going to be here for 70 years. So the people can't sit around with their arms folded. They can't sit around and put life on hold for 70 years. And so sometimes we are going to find ourselves in the in-between. And when we do... It makes total sense that we should not just wait, but we should move forward and we should grow. But then God goes into verse 7, and this is where I think it gets really challenging. Verse 7 says, also, seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. This is where it gets crazy. See, I understand you're in a place that you don't want to be, but you should still try to grow, okay? You're God's people. You should still try to build a life. You should still be who God is calling you to be. That makes total sense to me. But we get to verse 7, and God says, seek the peace and prosperity of exile, of the in-between. So what God is saying to the Israelites who find themselves in exile under the Babylonians is you need to seek the peace and prosperity for the Babylonians, for the people that are there. You need to pray for these people. And this to me is crazy because I understand wanting to grow, but God is really challenging the Israelites now and saying, these people do not honor me, they don't glorify me, they're living the wrong way, but I want you not only to build your own life, not only to to grow, but I want you to pray for the people that are doing the wrong things. That's just crazy. But I think when we find ourselves with our arms crossed looking out the door, I think this verse 7 is really important to the people for them to be who God has called them to be and to do what God has called them to do. So there's two parts of this that we're going to talk about. Number one, we're going to talk about our attitude. And number two, we're going to talk about our influence. So let's start with our attitude. See, it's one thing to just keep living. It's one thing to put up walls and fortify yourself and say, I'm going to grow closer to God even though everything around me is messed up, even though I'm in the middle of Babylon, in the middle of the in-between, I'm going to take care of myself, I'm going to grow, I'm going to become more like God. That makes sense. But if we have the wrong attitude, if we're standing at the screen door with our arms folded, looking out, scowling at all of the mess around us, guess what? We can't be who God created us to be. See, your attitude is so important. Your attitude will dictate your direction. Your attitude in the midst of the in-between will dictate how your life functions and how you influence others in the in-between. And so I shared with you my struggles from, from two weeks ago that I was that guy that was, I was struggling with all this. You, you probably wouldn't be surprised to know that that was my least productive week since this all started. You probably wouldn't be surprised to know that 
as I was sitting there with a bad attitude, worried about everything, that I didn't really grow at all. And in fact, during this pandemic, there, there have been a lot of good things that have been happening in my life. I, I've started working out every day and doing things that were good for my body. I've been spending time with my kids every day, not that I don't usually, but spending more time, quality time with my kids. I've been thinking more creatively about ministry and life than I ever have, but I came to this point two weeks ago where I started to cross my arms and I started to get a bad attitude and I started to scowl and look at this mess around me and guess what happened to all of the growth of my life? It stopped. And all of a sudden, I wasn't doing what I should be doing. I had worked out almost every day growing up to that, leading up to that point. I didn't work out a single time that week. I don't think I came up with a single creative idea. I don't think I was very much fun to be around. In fact, some of my fellow staff members may have accused me of being a conspiracy theorist. I mean, I was in a bad place, I'm telling you. And what I found was that when I was in a bad place, I wasn't growing. See, I've got a fear for us as Christians. I fear that too often, too many Christians, people that know God and want to do God's will, are sitting around looking at the mess around us with our arms folded and with a scowl on our face. And it's easy to look out and say, oh, this place is messed up, this place is corrupt, I don't want anything to do with it, and it's easy to, to hunker down and fortify ourselves. But if we're doing that, we're not being like Jesus. We gotta change our attitude. I, I saw this quote, I love this quote. It says, a bad attitude is like a flat tire. If you don't change it, you'll never go anywhere. I love that quote. And that was true for me two weeks ago. If I didn't change my attitude, I was going to be stuck in that bad place for a while. Luckily, I felt the conviction from God, and I've changed it. And, and, and I want to grow, and I want, I want to be who God's created me to be. Listen, if we sit here as Christians with our arms folded, looking at the world around us, and are just waiting to get out of this place, we won't be holy See, part of holiness, loving God with everything we have, but it's also loving the people around us. We can't love the people around us if we're looking at them with a scowl on our face. Your attitude's like a flat tire. If you don't change your bad attitude, you won't go anywhere. We have to embrace the place that God has put us Seek the peace and prosperity of the place. What does it mean to seek the peace and prosperity of the place that we're in? What does it mean to seek the peace and prosperity of the in-between or of Babylon? Well, I, I think this is really interesting. This isn't just talking about economic prosperity. This isn't just talking about people being happy and having smiles on their face. The word used here for peace is shalom. This is talking about the peace that comes from God. And if I could describe this as anything, I would describe it as this. Sometimes when I, when I sit on my kid's bed when they're going to sleep at night and I look at them, I don't sit there and think, man, I hope my kids get rich someday. I don't sit there and think, I hope my kids are happy every day of their life. You know what I sit there and think? I sit there and think, I hope my kids have the peace of God in their heart 
and in their lives. And as I look at them, I I looked at one of my kids last night and I wanted shalom for them. And God says, when you find yourself in the in-between, when you find yourselves in the midst of a place that's ugly and messed up and not honoring me, you should seek shalom for that place. What an incredible idea that we would want the peace of God to be at work in exile, in the in-between. And so we don't just want to get out of the situation. We want God to invade the situation. We want God's peace to come to the place that we're in. If we get this attitude As followers of Christ, I mean, if all of us get this attitude that we seek the peace, the shalom, the prosperity of the place that we're in, God will do incredible things in our world, I promise you. Which brings us to the second part, because it's not just that we seek it, it's that we have a part in it, our influence In the in-between, we are not only called to make lives for ourselves, we're not only called to fortify and build our place, we are called to be an influence to others. And so no matter where God calls us, no matter where we find ourselves, we are to influence others for the kingdom. We are to seek shalom. We are to be instruments of shalom wherever we go. So it says, seek the peace and prosperity, and then it says, pray for it. I'm convinced that sometimes we, uh, we don't really do prayer the way that we should. I think we're all guilty of this. I think sometimes we view prayer as a distant thing, like I'm sitting over here in my nice air-conditioned house with the food that I need, and I'm praying for all the people that, that don't have a home and don't have food. Oh, Lord, take care of them. Thank you for everything you've given me. Take care of them, Lord. Or or we just say, kind of in a passing way, like, I'll pray for you. And and there's this idea, I think, sometimes that that we pray with kind of a passive, um, with with a passive kind of retreated view of what prayer means. I don't think that's what God is saying here. I think God is saying, when you pray... You should want shalom so much that it causes you to be an agent of shalom in the place that you are. Have you ever prayed for, I I hope you have, because if you haven't, you need to. Have you ever prayed for something that you wanted so badly that you felt it like in your gut, in your chest, that you prayed, maybe it was a loved one that you wanted something for, and you prayed and you just, oh, you'd say, God, I would do anything for this. I think that's what God wants right here. That we would pray, not passively, not in our air-conditioned places, not looking out the screen door with our arms folded, Lord, help those terrible people. I believe what God wants here is for us to pray, Lord, help me to be an influence, to bring shalom to the place that you've put me. And so we're to pray for it. It's not a selfish endeavor. It's not just praying so that I can be better off. It's praying because we are called to be the people of God and we are called to build the kingdom of God no matter where we find ourselves. Pray that it will prosper. That's radical. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11 says, Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles 
to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live such, godly, such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day that he visits them. That, can you imagine? I mean, we know that the world around us is messed up. We know that our political system is messed up. We know that, we know, if you're on social media, you know that it doesn't matter what you post you can get reaction and fights can start in no time. We could easily, as Christians, as, as the church, hunker down in our place and say, we're going to grow, but help all those other people. They're messed up. But, but I believe that God is calling us to pray, not with a passive prayer, but with a prayer that leads to action, that we would bring peace and shalom to even the people that come against us. This says in, in 1 Peter, it says, even when they accuse you of wrong, they'll see God in your life and they'll come to glorify God. Listen, I, I don't know how you're feeling. I don't know if you've come to a place where, where your arms are crossed. I don't know if you've come to a place where you feel like you're spinning your wheels. I don't know if you're caught in the in-between right now and you're feeling it, but I do know this. No matter where you find yourself, God calls you to not only have a good attitude, a Christ-like attitude, but to have a Christ-like influence. As I think back a couple weeks at the way I acted, I don't think my attitude was Christ-like. I don't think my influence was Christ-like. And so God calls us to seek the peace and prosperity, to pray for the place that we're in, even when the place we're in is uncomfortable and not what we want it to be. Some of you today might be thinking, but this place doesn't deserve, this place doesn't deserve shalom, this place doesn't deserve peace, this place, uh, we, this place doesn't deserve God. Let me ask you a question. Did that ever stop Jesus? See, we have an example in Scripture. We have an example in our Lord and Savior of exactly what we're being called to right now through this Scripture. See, Jesus was fully God, but came to become a man just like one of us. Jesus came to earth, took on a human body, took on human form, and lived among us in the in-between. But he was holy he was righteous. And he could have said, Father, help all these messed up people. I'm going to sit back here in, in my palace. Jesus didn't do that. Jesus prayed. Jesus gave his life. He set the example. He lived such a holy life that we're still following him and we will always follow him. But he gave everything for the shalom of the messed up world that he entered into. And so as we stand at the door and we look at the world around us, God is calling us not to fold our arms, not to have a bad attitude. God is calling us to seek the peace and prosperity, to pray for the place we find ourselves. If you find yourself in a place today that maybe, maybe you've been the Clint Eastwood with your arms folded and you've had the wrong attitude, God is calling you to change that attitude. God wants to change that attitude for you, and God wants to give you 
a desire, a passion to change, to be an, an agent of change in the place you find yourself. The band's gonna come up here at the end and we're gonna respond to this through prayer. And so over, as we play this last song, I wanna encourage you to offer yourself to God as a prayer, to offer yourself as a sacrifice, to say, God, when, when I find myself, we're all in the in-between right now. Lord, you know where my heart is. You know where my attitude is. You know where I'm at, Lord. I, I wanna ask you to offer yourself to God in prayer and to ask God to change your heart, to change your mind, to change your attitude, and to use you to be an instrument of peace. There's a great prayer, and we're gonna, we're gonna pray this together. This is from St. Francis Assisi. He says, Lord, make me an instrument of thy peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. Where there is sadness, joy. Oh, divine master, grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive. It is in pardoning that we are pardoned. It is in dying that we are born to eternal life. As we sing this last song, I just want you to offer yourself. I want you to offer your mind, your heart, your attitude. I want you to ask God to change you, that you would be Christ-like in your thoughts, in your attitude, that you would be Christ-like in your love and your action towards others. Father, lead us in this time of prayer. Father, as we look over this prayer um, from St. Francis of Assisi, I pray, Lord, that, that you would be tuning our hearts to you. I pray that, that, that you would just change us, Lord. I pray that, that you would be in this place that we're in that's uncomfortable and messed up and, and there's a lot that doesn't honor you in it, Lord, but but I pray, Lord, that we would be agents of peace and change. Lord, we love you. I thank you for the shalom that you've given me. And I pray that for each and every one of us.